Hey, and welcome to Across Podcast, episode number four. My name is Kathleen, and today is a special edition because this episode number four is not a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a friend like in the previous ones. Instead, we hear a whole bunch of voices, both from friends and strangers, about how they coped and continue to work through these challenging sea times while having to care for someone for a child or for children, for parents or for friends. So today's episode is the carers edition, but it is also a little bit on top of that. Those of you who have listened to the previous conversations with Marty in Ballarat, Alessandro in Milan or Fabienne in London know that one reoccurring thing in this podcast is that each person brings a local news into the conversation and features a local artist or an artistic work. Today it all will be a little bit different, but the world is also different to how it was only two or three weeks ago when we had Fabienne here, remember? Some of these changes are, we are not in a lockdown anymore. Countries in Europe are slowly opening up again with precautions and all. New Zealand yesterday announced their COVID case free. Australians have been using this COVID app. Germany still hasn't released it. Alessandro and his boyfriend are finally united in Milan after more than four months of forced separation. Kids in some countries are back in kindergarten, some back in school. But people are dying from this pandemic all over the globe and it's far away from being over. And while all of that is happening and while the Across podcast was excitedly waiting for the messages to come in, we all witnessed, mostly on our computer screens, in the papers and YouTube clips, Telegram messages on Instagram and Facebook, how the US is on fire. And how tens of thousands of angry and tired and shocked and hurt mothers and dads and daughters and sons, grandmas and grandpas are taking to the streets and show that it's it. It's it with violence against people like them, people of color. It's it with discrimination and structural racism. It's it with people of color being killed by the police. The unheard people are making noise. Its echoes sprung over to other streets in other countries. The noise is viral on social media. They were completely black social media streams and it's all still happening while we're speaking. We really have two global crises happening at once. The COVID-19 pandemic and racism. They even correlate, but they also contradict each other in the actions we have to take. Where the one needs us to be loud, the other needs us to be calm. While the one requires for masses to walk side by side, the other begs for distance. Both need a lot of care and carefulness so they don't flip into something worse, like more infections or more police brutality. Okay, back to the start. It's the end of the first week of June. The year 2020 is almost half up. People all over the world have had various struggles with the effects of this global shutdown. For today's episode, we wanted to hear from those who have to care for others. I look forward to hand over to the friends and strangers who called and left a message and told us. Welcome again to Across. Today, with messages from Keras. Hi, my name is Esther. I live in Germany and I come from Mexico. Crazy times, 
right now for everybody living with COVID-19. I would like to share my experience with you and to tell you that it's not easy right now for me. I am a working mother and I have to deal with homeschooling. Not very easy time for me. My mother language is Spanish, so it's very difficult for me to do homeschooling with my children in German, um, especially with, with the language because I have to teach grammar or I have to, to be busy with math or other subjects and I have to work as well because I work from eight to to one on the afternoon and I don't know how I'm or how I have been facing these difficult times but I'm very thankful that I found someone that could help me with the children because otherwise I couldn't have any other choice to make this my children um, be busy with school so it's pretty uh, stressing sometimes because we want to as uh, mothers we want to teach our children we want them to be better we want them to learn uh, but on the other hand it's not easy when when we just don't come from this country so yeah sometimes we are getting crazy really I'm getting divorced right now and I don't have any other person to help me. But thank this friend that couldn't work because of COVID-19. She had the time to help me with my children. So I don't know. I just want to say that um, sometimes we feel as women alone or helpless. And these are very difficult times for us. But we have to help us as women, I think so. And I just wanted to share my thoughts and to tell you to help each other. Women must be must be helped as well because we need it sometimes. And I hope that all other women out there got help from, from someone and just send you power and that we can achieve everything what we want. But we have to help each other. Thank you for hearing. Bye-bye. Esther experienced that if you don't organize your own help with friends, for example, there isn't any other structure that does. This sea time is especially challenging for working only parents. And when I listened to Esther's message, I wondered why didn't we come up with offering some help earlier? I mean, on an individual level. People like me could easily offer some homework help or even just some silly entertainment, both online or offline. Perhaps we were too busy worrying about our own not going under with our jobs and businesses and with our relationships. But now, a few weeks in, many of us have become more expertise with managing everyday life with constraints and also the cities are opening again. Shall we build a place, even if tiny, that offers to carry a little bit of the weight of those who have to shoulder so much of it, especially only parents. What do you, esteemed across listeners, old and new, what do you think about it? Would you be up for it? How could we organize this and how could we make it happen? We could discuss this further on Instagram or in emails. The Instagram handle is across underscore 2020 and the email is podcastacross at gmail.com. Ah, Just for context, 
According to the federal statistics in Germany, there are 2.17 million only parenting mothers and 407,000 only parenting fathers. Next up, Miriam. Nun leuchtete ein Licht in den Kucklöchern der Hütte und aus dem Eingang ragte ein roter Kopf. Ist da jemand, der heiße Schokolade und Torte haben will, ehe wir um den Tannenbaum tanzen, schrie Pippi. Ja, alle Kinder wollten Schokolade und Torte haben. Eins nach dem anderen kroch in die Hütte. Haben Sie nicht eine feine Hütte gebaut, fragte Tommy zufrieden. Darin waren sich alle einig. Es war wirklich eine sehr feine Hütte. Pippi hatte einen großen Kessel mit dampfender Schokolade mitten im Raum aufgestellt und auch eine ganze Menge Hi, I'm Miriam. I'm calling from Berlin, Germany. I'm taking care of my two kids who are one and four years old. I'm taking turns with my partner, so I'm glad I have him. But still, it's challenging, at least. I love to spend time with my kids, but if you have to work at the same time, it's complicated. <laughs> One of them is in the background right now, because I never have time for myself. When I take a shower, usually there's at least one kid of them with me. And yeah, that's how my life is at the moment. And now Tanya from Melbourne. Hello, hello. Another evening. The day is coming to an end, but just finished the other Zoom meeting. Husband's still at work. He's got to teach late. And my child is still watching on the iPad upstairs. She did promise to get ready, but she's only seven, so I better go and get her into bed. Bedtime should have been an hour ago, but my meeting went over, so anyway. As you can probably tell, there's not much time for little old me, and that can be hard. But first world problems... I'm actually probably pretty well off and I'm grateful for every day that we are healthy and together and happy and I wish everyone all the best. Peace out, love. Peace, love, out. There we go. Brain's broken. Oh, and one more thing. The 13th of March was the day when kindergartens were closed in Germany, and so were schools. Hamburg, for example, will open in 10 days, but with lots of limitations, both in terms of caring times and in terms of group sizes. That will apply to other states and regions as well, and it will mean there is no back to normal. But for the last three months, nothing has been done politically in terms of compensating loss of income or any other help for parents or carers. Parents were expected to just juggle it somehow. If they weren't working in the so-called systemically relevant workforce, they had to organize themselves and the C measures brought to the surface very quickly that equal care is, well, certainly it's nothing that the economical and political structures around us support. Since women still earn less on average, it was mostly them who ended up reducing hours or work night shifts when reducing hours was a no-go. That also brought about another reality. The explaining and the crisis management, we predominantly saw men. 
Advices on the childcare sector? Surprisingly many men whose children probably have long left the house. No wonder that gender-sensitive decision-making was not so strong in Germany. Hence, there's lots of talk about a corona backlash here in Germany. In a nutshell, it is feared that due to the increased care, mothers are withdrawing from the labor market. It is anticipated that the gender pay gap will in all probability grow even further, which logically leads into a further increased pension gap. The other day, a German journalist and activist wrote in a parenting magazine about a never-ending 1950s for mothers. But not a 1950s where it was dad to the office, mum to the stove, but a more layered version of that. She writes that the 1950s version today in 2020 is mums to the stove, to the office, to the kids' room, to the board, to the craft corner, to the stock market, to the nursing bed, to the conference Zoom call, to the homeschooling. All at once, all invisible, all underpaid, and all with a smile. There was a huge outcry, and understandably so. Initiatives and petitions were started. Parents felt left alone, while huge corporations like a certain German sports clothes tycoon received a multi-billion euro aid pack early on. There was exactly zero financial compensation from the state level towards the private care sector, not to mention the professional care sector. Up until last Thursday, when the German government announced a rather large stimulus package, 130 billion euros, Oof. Amongst measures such as lowering the VAT and upping the aids for local authorities, there was a chapter of subsidies for families. Families receive a one-off payment for their efforts in care and homeschooling, 300 euros per child. The demand of a monthly corona parent subsidy was off the table. And while churches reopened gyms and shopping malls, parents' patience is still challenged to the max. And one can understand that this is considered a bit effed up, isn't it? Now to Sander. Hello, this is Sander from Berlin calling and I'm happy to be part of the Cross podcast. Me and my partner, we are taking care of our two and a half year old kiddo um, while doing double home office uh, in full time. Yes, we are fine. Uh, we are privileged to have uh, safe jobs and we got uh, nice employers who understand the situation and don't put too much pressure on us. Yeah, it's been a wild time so far. During the first few weeks of lockdown, we enjoyed being together that long every day. That was uh, Good. And then it became uh, really annoying because uh, you really start to juggle to do your care shifts, care work and your normal work and changes all the time. So that was a bit tougher. And since last week, we are eligible for half-time daycare again uh, as we both work. So every second day we can uh, send our kid to kindergarten which releases a lot of pressure. So we are, we are doing fine. And what annoyed us, or me especially, was uh, that there's still uh, just a very small or non-existence lobby for, for kids, for children in Germany, it seems. So everything opens up before kindergartens and schools do. Even the uh, football soccer league is, uh, is starting again, which is totally wild, in my opinion. And uh, all shops and restaurants are open, so we are still stuck in this uh, weird capitalistic system. Yeah, 
But uh, what went well is uh, that we came closer to other people in the same situation. And we just were happy to have a car here. So we uh, often just left Berlin spontaneously and went off to a lake or generally uh, to the nature. And that was fine. And I think for the short one, it were, were really sp special days. And uh, she's coping really good. So... That's a good thing. Um, and I hope you all are fine and well and healthy and take care of yourself and look after yourselves. And yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Goodbye. Oh, yes, the soccer. Soccer was a constant talk when we got into the crisis, during the crisis. And it really seems on the forefront for political action taking now that society is on its way into an in-between state of COVID lockdown and a functioning everyday life. I just saw this barometer of public opinion. Again, this is for Germany. And this barometer shows that 53% of Germans say that politics didn't pay enough attention to kindergartens and schools during the corona crisis. No other area was considered so neglected. But it also shows that 56% say that professional soccer was overcared during the recent C months. But also fresh in the press yesterday was the release of a study that looked at the division of labor between men and women during the recent times of this pandemic. 10,000 people were interviewed for this study and it was found that the situation of care work changed considerably during the lockdown. According to the paper, there is a positive development. Men and women even seem to share the additional care and housework, which was added in the corona crisis, largely on a partnership basis. I don't want to be a bad feminist here, but reading this on Twitter just then reminded me of this New York Times gender Instagram post I saw a few weeks back. And that wrote, quote, nearly half of men say they do most of the homeschooling. 3% of women agree. Time for music. Under the light, there lay pain and a rock. I put up a fire. Then went into the dark Went into the dark Tension and pride Broke between the gloves They fell to each side Now there's a spark Now there's a spark See I'm Tonight, call it a drug. 
Mali with tension and pride and she also has sent in a message. Etoile. Hello, my name is Etoile Mali. I am Australian French and I currently live in Greater London with my husband and two young children who are seven and three years old. Both my husband and myself are artists. My husband works in film and I was previously a dancer and circus performer and I'm now pursuing music. Um, I am actually in the beginning of a songwriting degree, so I'm studying full time. Um, and my husband was working full time before the COVID-19 outbreak. So I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about how it's affected us having two young children and I think being artists as well. So we are, uh, self-employed predominantly and, Yeah, basically since the COVID-19 lockdown, we haven't had an income and we've been fortunate enough to be in a position where we had savings. So I'm forever grateful for that because I know that, you know, it's been an absolute mess for so many people who have had nothing to fall back on, but we are lucky that we have savings. To be honest, that savings was to go towards a house deposit. So it's very sad to be using that money. Um, but you know, it's, I, I can only be thankful because at least we have that, you know, we can still pay our rent. We can still buy food, um, pay our bills, etc. So in that regards, I feel very lucky to be in such a privileged position. Um, one of the most challenging things has been continuing or homeschooling for my eldest daughter, who's seven. It's, you know, to be honest, I'm not really that concerned because she's only seven and primary school, you know, level. The, for me, the most important thing is we keep up her reading and her writing and maths, which is basically what the school sets sort of homework wise for her. But Yeah, I think I felt very ill-equipped to just all of a sudden be thrust into homeschooling when I've had no idea, you know, how to go about it. Um, so we've just been very much learning along the way. And yeah, I mean, I feel overall it hasn't affected us 
too much as a family unit uh, in in terms of our stress levels. Like I think that we, for one thing, actually, I have to be honest, is <laughs> the the really good thing for me about the whole lockdown is that I've had my husband around a lot more to help me with the children. So normally, you know, the Monday to Friday, it's me rushing to get the kids to school and then go to uni myself and then pick them up after I finished uni and make dinner and put them to bed. And then my husband doesn't get home until after they're in bed usually. So there's been a lot more um, just a balanced family dynamic, which has been amazing for me. <laughs> like my life has actually improved since the lockdown, dare I say it. Um, so yeah, in that way, I felt like I've actually been a bit happier, just, um, just having a bit more balance and having my husband around to partake in parenting duties. And yeah, you know, he's been amazing. He's very much, um, you know, he loves spending time with the girls and he's very much voluntarily spending that time with them. So yeah, in that regards, you know, it, it sort of got me thinking to just how we operate as like families in society and how we've moved away so much from those communities, if you will, like in caveman time is what I think about, like when the whole, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child or a whole tribe to raise a child. And very much we leave these solitary lives. So at least if you can have your husband around more or your partner who you're raising your children with, then it just feels overall like a more balanced lifestyle. But yeah, like I said, I think we've been in a very lucky position to have had not any financial struggle yet. Um, you know, I know that we can continue on for another month or two if necessary, but hopefully by that time, then my husband will be back to work full time and, um, you know, the kids going to school and, and me going to uni further down the track. So overall, I really, if I'm honest, I can't say that this whole experience has been very negative. It's actually, it's actually been, I would say the opposite, like mostly positive. Obviously there's, it's been difficult with the schooling and, and not being able to see family of, well, friends. We don't have any family over here anyway, but I feel like our approach has just been to take each day as it comes and to, and to just enjoy this time that we get to have as a family, because when things go back to, normal in inverted commas, you know, it's very much back to the sort of rushing around hustle and bustle of life. Just, uh, yeah, it's just a different pace. I remember I kept saying that actually to my husband at the start, I was like, oh, this is just really like, I enjoy this pace of life, like just getting up slowly in the morning and making breakfast and just not having to rush out the door. Like that has been really enjoyable. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd be lying to say that there weren't moments where I was just pulling my hair out and thinking, like, I just want to throw the kids out the front door and never see them again. Uh, but like, you know, you have those moments in normal times as well. So yeah, I think, I think I've been just very lucky that, that the experience hasn't been horrendous. You know, and I know a lot of people are suffering and I really feel for them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope, I hope some people can relate to this. Maybe not, but. Yeah, that's just my little sharing of it. The other thing that I've thought about a lot actually is just my future in music as a musician, obviously because of live performance and music concerts and all that sort of thing being cancelled with no uh, foreseeable resurrection. I mean, you know, when you're talking about thousands or tens of thousands or a hundred thousand people going to a concert, it seems unlikely that that's going to happen really anytime in the near future. So yeah, there's a, 
you know, thankfully my job can be digital as much as live. Um, so yeah, we, I await to see kind of the future of music and the progression and, you know, already what we're seeing with artists doing concerts online and, um, and collaborating online. And I think there's lots of wonderful things that could come out of this. And I mean, my true hope is that actually it brings us back to more of a, a human connection, funnily enough, because we have to be social distanced. I think, like, personally, it's made me think a lot about just the little things that are important and, and those little connections you make and putting effort into that, because I feel like overall there's a lot less distraction. So maybe you can focus more on on those few things that you need to focus on or those people that you need to focus on instead of constantly being distracted by going here and there or having to go and see something or, or be someone or, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely an interesting time that's, that's changing us all. And I like to think for the better. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's my two cents worth. I guess I'll just say goodbye. Now back to Germany, Hamburg. This is Inga calling. Um, this is Inga from Hamburg. My wife and I have two kids. One is eight, the other is four. So my son goes to school, my daughter goes to kindergarten. And, well, that's usually the case. It's been an interesting time, definitely. I wouldn't say it wasn't difficult at all. I think everyone had to adjust For a long time and the uncertainty was what was most difficult I think that not knowing how long and when it would be over and also with school homeschooling I've always admired teachers my sister is a teacher and my friends are teachers I'm not cut out for it <laughs> uh, well I, I don't think we did a you know, bad job. I think we did really well, to be honest, and our son did really well, but it was difficult. There's been a lot of arguing and explaining and, yeah, trying to figure things out and also trying to understand whatever the kids had to do. I mean, he's in grade two and we were sitting in front of this stuff for maths, like calculus, and We didn't know what he, what he was supposed to do. Anyhow, that was interesting. <laughs> I felt a bit dumb. Um, the thing is, though, yes, it was difficult. But at the same time, it's not a war. And we didn't lose our home. And we didn't have to get on a ship and die in the sea and be forgotten. It was like, I don't want to minimize the hardship. I don't want to, it's been difficult for a first world country. We've had, you know, much better times, but at the same time, we didn't really have to suffer apart from the arguing and the fights and stuff like that and the crying. I think what made me, what got to me most was actually social media in a good way and a bad way and more in a bad way, actually. Social media is my news kind of channel. So I go on Facebook and I read the news and I get the news from friends, what they're up to. And sometimes it's a laugh, sometimes it's sad, you know, but it's mostly a news outlet for me. But reading comments is like everybody is an expert and everybody has an opinion and everybody needs to know about this opinion. It's like people are so self-centered. They really believe that the world needs to know what they think 
even if it's the biggest bullshit. So there was this one article by the Tats two, three, four weeks into the lockdown talking about um, uh, how schools and kindergartens should open very soon because it was, you know, difficult for parents to deal with everything all at once, being a teacher and working and all that. This one person commented and called parents children makers. It was so insulting to read this and I read on and this person was talking about how they should stop complaining And they made the decision to have kids and they should be overjoyed to be able to spend so much time with them now. And I'm like, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. So shut the fuck up. This is not even the worst or the dumbest comment I've ever read. It's just people who I think are usually probably quite intelligent or nice people. They become the biggest assholes and... That's really difficult to deal with when you read something like that. Of All of a sudden, you're not a parent. You're not a person anymore. You're a children maker. What the fuck? I mean, what's going on? What's what's up with people? Don't they have other problems? Though social media is not my favorite tool any longer. But I need to, you know, I, I work in social media. I'm a, I'm a media person, so I kind of have to deal with this stuff but personally i think i have to kind of cut down on my social media use because it's really not good for my mental health other than that there's definitely this feeling of before corona bc kind of gets a whole new meaning (laughs) before corona Uh, the new calendar starts and now it's kind of after corona after this virus toppled everything we knew before. I have no idea what it's going to mean in the future. I'm so glad that I don't have a kid who is finishing school right now or who is starting university or, you know, oh my God, it's like, uh, or you like changing schools. It's, I have greatest empathy and sympathy for those people who really have no future or, you know, everything is kind of uncertain and that's that sucks i'm i'm really glad i have a steady job i used to freelance for a long time for the last three years i've had this job with this huge corporation and so i have a really good job and i'm so glad (laughs) it's saved us yeah i can't complain to be honest and the the funny thing is what this person was talking about in this article It made me so angry. I had sleepless nights and I was writing letters in my head to this person, you know, coming up with all these arguments, trying to dissuade her uh, or change her mind, even though it's not, you know, it's not going to work at all. People like this, they have a set opinion and they won't ever listen to reason. But I've realized that this corona time has actually really made me appreciate the time I, I had with my family, spending so much time with my kids, we've become so close. And also with my wife, I mean, we've become closer now. We had a bit of a difficult patch, as probably all couples, especially parents, have had. But we've kind of gotten through this whole thing. We were 
we almost like we almost broke up we almost said that we didn't want to be together anymore which is hard especially if you have two kids we decided after a little while and long talks and you know making up and all that that we were going to stay together and make this work and i think that's only a couple of weeks ago but it feels really good it's almost like we've fallen back in love i mean not that i didn't love her or haven't loved her for the last years it's just that we've fallen out of love kind of this passionate love and that's when you get to a certain age you just want to you don't want this everyday life you know every day is kind of the same every week is kind of the same and at the end of the year you kind of ask yourself what the fuck has happened <laughs> it's been another year and nothing has changed and it's kind of the same thing over and over again so i guess corona also kind of changed this whole everyday situation or this feeling of being stuck i'm actually quite happy about this everyday life or i can appreciate this dreary Every day is the same kind of thing because it's actually quite nice. We have a good life. We have everything we need and we're very lucky and I'm, I'm aware of that. I, there are so many things I was going to say and I, I can't remember. Oh yeah, um, one thing I really, really like about the virus, Corona as such has kind of given in the environment a breather. All of a sudden people realize they don't need all this stuff and they don't need to fly everywhere and they don't need to go everywhere at any time. I also speak for myself. There's so many things that you don't really, really need. You're just so used to doing it that you don't think about it. And I think the environment has gotten this breather. And unfortunately, though, I think mankind is probably going to treat it much worse after there's some kind of vaccination so people will probably after a while will kind of think oh we you know it was such a hardship not to have it so we have to have it now and all the time and fly everywhere i hope not i hope humans learn from this stuff and make it better i want to think that's possible when you look at world politics it's not the best you know it's you can almost lose hope for mankind we'll see anyhow thanks for listening and i hope i want to i want to kind of finish on a on a positive note i maybe we can actually turn this fucking virus into something positive and learn something from it that's my hope for the future and for my kids too I hope they actually have some kind of a future with clean air to breathe and water to drink and enough of everything. That'd be nice. Right, that's me. I'm off. Bye. And lastly, Lamar, who called last night from Switzerland, and this is his message. Hello, this is Lamar. I'm calling from a city called Hinville, which is near Zurich. Um, thanks for uh, sending out the request for uh, voices and information about how we all managed uh, dealing with the kids during the, the, the recent quarantine. It's just now starting to reopen again, thank goodness. Um, yeah, anyway, we've got a couple of kids, uh, 12 and 7, and um, it was a tough, tough uh, first uh, few weeks. First six weeks were really tough until we kind of figured out what we were going on. 
uh, and how we were going to manage uh, between the homeschooling or what was supposed to be called homeschooling because we're not teachers. <laughs> we're, we're not stupid, but we're not teachers. They need more money, in my opinion, taking care of kids like mine. And I love my kids, but uh, if, uh, if I had to take care of them every day like these teachers do, I would ask for more money. Um, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I think the biggest deal was trying to manage the the work schedule plus the kids plus being on top of each other all, all day, every day in a completely strange and tense time. You know, we tried to protect the kids as much as we could from the the general um, stress and um, anxiety of the of the, the the global situation that we're living through, and we're lucky we live in a little, a little village, and the people are healthy, and we've got a lot of room and a garden, and I can walk to the forest, and it's not like uh, living in the city where you're you know in an apartment or whatever. So I think the biggest problem for me and for us was trying to kind of manage the work life balance so that we we managed to have time for them to have proper lunches and and keep some kind of schedule for studying but at the same time to enjoy the moments that we were together. And that took a good six weeks to, to, to get into a rhythm that was manageable for us. So yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's going to happen in the future with this whole pandemic situation. I think there's going to be some rocky days ahead. But, um, you know, the kids are healthy and we made it through without anyone getting sick or stressed out or um, major problems uh, from transportation or what have you. And and um, and we're lucky to be in a, in a, in a city, in a, in a country where the sickness rate was not too high and the death rate was not too high and where the government seems to have managed to, to take care of the economic and the political situation in a relatively positive and forward-thinking and, and constructive manner. And yes, so we're looking forward to getting the, the economy and uh, the society reopened, as they say. And um, the kids are back in school as of today, full-time. And uh, life is going on, and we're looking forward to a better half of the 2020 than the first half. And um, I wish everyone out there, mamas and papas and aunts and uncles and anyone having to take care of kids at home, I wish you good luck and good health. And uh, um, you know, keep pushing the positive because that's all we can do, I think. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you all. I know for one, it was the first voicemail of her life. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Esther, to Miriam, to Tanya, to Zanda, Etual, Inga, and to Lamar, and to Rosie, who wrote to me she is juggling uni work while having to care for her parents. Thanks for letting us into your worlds, guys, and sharing this privacy with us. Usually, this podcast features at least two artists and two news topics. And so I won't end today's episode with this tradition of recommending an artist's work. However, today it's not going to be a local one and it's not only one, but it is definitely somehow all in response to the global protests against racism and the necessity for us all to confront ourselves with our own racisms. Art can be a good way to learn, I guess, or to open up. I start with a recommendation that is also the promise to myself to finally read this book, The Meaning of Freedom and Other Difficult Dialogues by Angela Y. Davis. My friend Nico gave it to me last year, and since then I, I picked it up a few times, but my brain quietly whispered whenever I held it in my hands, oh, reading an English book, 
an English book that has the word difficult on its front page even, and I always put it back on the pile. But now is the time. It really couldn't be riper. In my next recommendation, I would like to shine a light on the work of Gordon Parks. Parks was an African-American photojournalist born 1912 and died 2006. And one part of his body of work was his observation of a segregated America. I saw a retrospective of his work a few years ago, and I remember I was glued to this one photo in particular of this boy and the dolls. And now it appeared again on one of the Instagram channels I follow, and it ruined me again. On the black and white photograph, you see a young black boy, maybe six or seven years old. He sits at a desk with a stern look on his face, and he looks in the direction of two grown-up hands that are positioned on the frame of the photo and each holding a doll. The doll in the left hand is white, and the doll in the right hand is black. The boy looks at the black doll while pointing his little finger at the white doll. It's pretty intense. And I just read up what the story behind this photo was. And it was this. In 1947, Gordon Parks documented an experiment with two social psychologists. They wanted to find out if African-American children were psychologically and emotionally damaged by attending a segregated school. I'll share it on the across Instagram and also add some more information to this image. The photographic work of Gordon Parks is really powerful and I highly recommend to check out his observations on racial segregation and inequality from 60 or even 70 years ago. And I still want to discover more of his artistic output. He apparently was also a filmmaker and a musician. Talking about music, unfortunately, I cannot play a lot uh, of it here due to licensing. But today I would have loved to play these songs. And maybe you want to re-listen to them. To Nina Simone's Revolution, or to Lauren Hill's Black Rage, or to a tribe called Quest, We the People. The other day I came past an article about this art historian, Chaydra Labouvier, who curated the exhibition Basquiat's Defacement, The Untold Story, at the Guggenheim Museum in New York last year. The starting point of this show was Jean-Michel Basquiat's painting that is called The Death of Michael Stewart. He created it in 1983 as a response to a police killing of this artist friend of his. And by the way, Cheidra Labouvier was the first black female curator to ever organize a solo exhibition at the Guggenheim Museum in its 80-year history. Just saying. I said it in my intro, we have two crises, the pandemic and racism, and we really have the duty to bring the conversation on it home to our own spheres. Racism and discrimination is not a US American problem only. We're all living in racist societies and we all play our parts in it too. I mean, it's uncomfortable and I can only speak for myself, but for example, by not standing up against racist structures enough, they're everywhere in Germany's bureaucracy and the police force on the housing and on the job market in the shape of a stupid comment against the person of color on the bus. Endless. 
I mean, really, what the that we haven't taken monuments of slave traders or colonialists down earlier, statues of mostly white men or their names. They're covering our public spaces. It is our normal. And we're surrounded by this stuff everywhere without even noticing oftentimes. But it's only three days ago that the statue of the British slave trader Edward Colston was taken down and pushed into the pier in Bristol. Sure, it's vandalism, many will say, but in comparison to slavery. And one more thing. I'm not saying let's forget their names, names like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. Hopefully they will stand as symbols for positive change in the end of this. But sadly, we have a lot of our own victims' names to remember here too. Names of people who died in police custody or who were murdered for racist reasons, like Ismail Yajar, who was killed by the NSU in Nuremberg 15 years ago to this day outside his diner. He had a son and was 50 years old. All these people who lost their lives simply because others believe they're superior to them. They were all someone's father or son or daughter or sister. And now I bring it back to this episode and all the messages from Hamburg and Berlin, from Greater London, from the town close to Zurich and from Melbourne. I know this is a, it's a pretty heavy one today. And I know it's a heavy contrast to, to your messages. And thanks again for them. But I also think that I couldn't have done this episode without bringing up the other part of the reality that surrounds us. And I hope you all agree with me on that. I would once again like to thank you for letting us into your lives. And thanks for telling us how you're hanging in there and what challenges you're dealing with. And yeah, I guess all of us who spoke here, we're privileged and pretty aware of it but i think it's also okay to be wanting more more equality and more gender sensitivity in politics more equal opportunity but not as a nice to have for the privileged but as a true fundament of our societies like in the grand picture the global picture if you will these two crises that are going on while you're cooking the next meal or pull your hair <laughs> over the algebra, count the day until the kindergarten welcomes your child again. And while I'm finishing up recording these words for the podcast, what a time we live in. And hopefully all this energy and power will channel into something good and constructive, into a new era without assholes in power, perhaps without centralized power per se, into a healthy era of true caring. The Across Podcast will be back with a conversation with a friend or a friend of a friend next month. But in the meantime, let us continue thoughts and ideas and maybe start a new conversation again over there on Instagram, because that's basically the only channel this podcast has. The handle is across underscore 2020. And there's also an email podcast across all in one word at gmail.com. My name is Kathleen, currently in the hinterland of Berlin, and that's why there's all these examples and numbers coming from Germany here. That's where I am. That's what I can talk about. Please share what's happening in your spheres. That would be great to hear. It would be great to hear numbers. It would be great to hear what kind of backlashes you're experiencing or maybe not at all. Thanks to all of you for listening and for speaking. And let's do more of this. I'm out with Brandy Carlisle, The Joke.
nervous, aren't you, boy? With your quiet voice and impeccable style. Don't ever let them steal your joy and your gentle ways to keep them from running wild. They can kick dirt in your face, dress you down, and tell you that your place is in the middle. When they hate the way you shine, I see you tugging on your shirt, trying to hide inside of it and hide how much it hurts. Let 'em laugh while they can. Let 'em spin. Let 'em scatter. Discouraged, don't you, girl? It's your brother's world for a while longer. You gotta dance with the devil on a river to beat the stream. Call it living the dream. Call it kicking the ladder. They come to kick dirt in your face to call you. You have to carry in your baby on your back across the desert. I saw your eyes behind your hair, and you're looking tired, but you don't go. 